the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like that. Up. Just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. <laughs> you don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Before we begin today's episode, we're going to quick thank some of the companies that helped make this show possible. Not sure if you guys have heard, but HuntWise has come out with what it calls HuntCast 2.0. Recently, they partnered with Jeff Sturgis, who has decades worth of data, and they've taken that data to compile a prediction as to when you should be out in the woods. So they, they rank it on a scale of 0 to 100% or the way we prefer it is deer. So when it's a five-deer day, you better be in the woods. So check it out. Become an elite member and learn how to maximize your time in the field because really you can't put a price on a good hunt. Tree saddles. We've all heard of them, and we love using them. Why? They're lightweight. They're easy to use. And if you use the right company... You can have everything you ever need for saddle hunting. In walks Trophy Line. <laughs> trophy Line <laughs> just came out with a platform this year called the Mission Platform. And they came out with sticks to go with it. So why else would you want to use another company? Go to TrophyLine.com. Use the promo code BOGAHUNTINGTL20. <laughs> Worst code ever. <laughs> Longest code ever. But do it because you get a good discount. You get 20% and it's good off. stuff. TrophyLine.com. A lot of people ask us why we partnered with First Light, and it's because they have amazing systems, and the base of all those systems is around merino wool. Merino wool is great because it keeps you warm when it's cold out and cold when it's warm out because it pulls moisture away from your body, and best of all, it doesn't stink. No so stink. So if you're looking for a, a great new system, can't recommend them highly enough, FirstLight.com. We all know that Vortex is the leader in optics, so we can't say enough good things about them. We love them. We use them in the field every time we're out there. But what most people don't know is their clothing line is just as good. There's a brand new fall line that's just come out. We've got a couple of pieces from that line, and they are freaking awesome. So if you want to save 20% on your next purchase, head over there and use the promo code BOGA20 at checkout for 20% off. Let's rip it. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. Today we have two very special guests from the Pope and Young Club here today. Uh, guys, you want to introduce yourself? Well, yeah, I'm my name is Jason Roundsville. I'm the executive director. All right. I would say you got one special guest, and that's Jason. But, uh, oh, I don't know Dylan, about you're that. not special, man? <laughs> not hey, at all, my friend. Dylan's probably been – he's probably got 10 or 15 days in the field since since I've been out there. So I, I'd call that more special than this. That's true. That's more time in the field. Absolutely. Well, well my name is Dylan Ray, and I am the marketing director at Pope and Young. Okay. Okay, excellent. Yeah, we had – so we had mar- messaged, I think, Dylan, you and I a little bit yeah. um, coming into this. We, obviously, growing up, Jared and I and, and a lot of people in the hunting industry know of Pope and Young. But, I mean, before we get into that, like – Tell us about yourself. Like, how did you guys get involved with the organization? What's your background in hunting? You know, what's your story? Well, 
Well, mine, I'll jump right in there because I'm really shy and all. So uh, I've, you know, all I've ever wanted to do growing up was hunt and fish. And so obviously I went to college, got a degree in wildlife biology, um, was able to stay in the outdoor field, um, wound up going into business, um, you know, for employment, but stayed in the outdoor field doing volunteer work for some conservation organizations and, and was a volunteer for several years and then uh, was invited to, to join staff at Ducks Unlimited, was there for a long time. And this opportunity came up to, to uh, help lead Pope and Young. Seemed like a good fit. I'd been a you know, lifelong hunter, bow hunter for about 30 years. And, and it's, it's been a good fit. It's been a lot of fun. And, and I've learned a ton, met some amazing people. So much like Jason, my, uh, my passion has always been bow hunting. And so, uh, when I went to college, I wanted to find a job that I really loved to do. And so I, I worked my way through college by working at a bow shop. And, uh, and so I made a lot of good connections that way, made a lot of good friends in the industry. And, uh, and so I started, I started working for bear archery to produce, uh, their hunting one-on-one podcast. And through that, uh, became pretty good friends with Jim Willems, uh, who was one of the past presidents of Pope and Young and, uh, recorded several times together and, and did several video projects together. And, and, uh, the opportunity came up for a new marketing director at Pope and Young. And so, uh, you know, I put it in his ear. Hey, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to do that for you guys. And so here I am. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And Pope and Young is like, that's, I don't know. It's just a cool place. It's everybody knows of it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, you know, it's bow hunting specific. Uh, you guys both mentioned you've had quite a bit of experience. I think Jason, you said like 30 years of experience. That's almost, that's, I'm 32. Yeah. So yeah. that's about most of my <laughs> no. life. It's, well, you know, I, sometimes I don't feel that old until I talk to guys that are 32, but yeah. uh, I'm not even 30 years old yet, Jason. You've been hunting makes longer than he's you know, been alive. It, that's uh well that explains the uh difference in in abilities there i think i'm sure that's exactly it <laughs> wisdom so, i think it's yeah. called wisdom yeah it's I, I you know what i just wish i i just wish i had the energy to do it the way i did in my 20s and 30s so yeah jared wishes he had my energy too i think maybe you know maybe a younger jared could have kept up but i think anyone with a cup of coffee could probably keep up with you Jason, when you've got when you've got a four year old and a two year old at home, it takes less energy to go hunting than it does to stay at home. That I could see, I could believe that. Yep, that's very true. I've got a four, two, and a eight months. So oh, eight months. I feel like your your youngest is aging slow. <laughs> it's wow. it seems like you've had. <laughs> she was a COVID baby for her for a long time, but I suppose she was a COVID baby. Yeah, that was crazy. Actually, uh, like usually when you have a kid, you can have people come and visit you and. You know, you get some some time off, or maybe you can take a nap or two, but not, not this time. Not this not time this around. go round, huh? Tough no. it out, man. Yep, suck yeah. it out. I actually punched yeah. out quite a bit of articles while I was just trapped in the room. Uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where you go sit out in the freezing cold just to get away for an hour. <laughs> yeah, just some quiet. I don't want to see any yeah. deer. It's you know, I'm too busy. Yeah. I just need a nap. Uh, yeah, that's too much work. I just want to. Yeah, I just want to sit out there, enjoy nature. No, that's awesome. So, yeah, a lot, lot of bow hunting experience, Jason. That's what it sounds like. Quite a bit. You know, um, it's funny because having done it a long time, bow hunting has always been one of the things I've done. It was never the only thing. And, I, you know, where I was before, you know, I could be in a room with a with an awful lot of duck hunters, a thousand duck hunters, and, and you know, I was towards the top of that 
you know, and now all of a sudden I'm at Pope and Young, I'm in the room with 10 bow hunters. I'm not in the top nine and, and I'm not even knocking on the door. I mean, some of these guys have been everywhere. They have done it all. And it, you, I just sit there in awe and listen to their stories. And I, it's just, you know, leopards in Africa and, and, you know, all over the world and, and taking world records. And it's just, it's amazing to hear some of those stories. I just love it. Yeah. When you talk to guys and you say, well, how many, how many animals do you have in the books? And they say, oh, I don't, I don't know. I can't keep up. You're like, good Lord. Yeah. And then yeah. they say, well, I've got, I think 14 records. And you're like, oh my gosh. Holy cow. Like, all right. And, and you know what? No, let's, I want to ask about it now. So for, for people, like for these people that are entering records in, are, are they just, are there, is there like a certain type of person that is like, you know, if they have a couple records in their book, it's because they're this way, or is it just a bunch of random guys? <laughs> You know, it's, it's both. It's, it's all of the above. We have guys that it is their, I mean, they're, they're not going to, you know, their goal is to get something in the book. They want to get, you know, all the species or all the deer or all the sheep. And so they will pass up an animal, you know, that, that, you know, especially me or a lot of us would take because it's not the one that they want. And, you know, when you're talking to those guys, the one thing that's consistent across the board is there's unfilled tags left at the end of the year. You know, if you're, if you're hunting those true trophies, you've got to be okay with not punching a tag. That's, that's why we have those unpunched tags. I mean, we're we, the same we really way. don't want to say If we ever it, not punch okay. a tag, it's that's, that's the reason why. Okay. So you guys have, have more self-control because I'm the guy who puts the fork and horn in the freezer, man. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. I like that. Yeah. You're our kind of guy. A, yeah. And so, you know, and then on the other side of the spectrum, it's, it's your everyday bow hunters, you know, more of the guys like me who are out there, it really enjoy it, but maybe they don't have 30 days to hunt one specific buck, or maybe they're not going to go on a Yukon moose hunt where they're going to see a, you know, potential world record. So, you know, those guys, um, they're out there, they're doing it in their way. They're having fun with it. They're enjoying the experience. And then every once in a while they get an opportunity, you know, like a, like a Luke Brewster where this guy shoots a, a world record, non-typical white tail buck. And he's just a great guy. And you love to talk to him because it's just, you know, he's, he is, he's a hunter. He just enjoys the hunt. He enjoys being out there and it's just a, a great experience. You know, when you ask that question, uh, Jason, the one name that come to my mind was Alan Bolin. And, and if you're going to shoot world records, you got to be like Alan. That's just, uh, that's how it is. And, if and you go he back, shoots them. Yeah, he does, man. And if you go back and listen to the podcast we, where we had him on, he says that. He's like, man, I spent, I spent 30 some odd days in the field chasing a world record sick of blacktail. And he's like, I passed up some monsters to get a world record. Yes. And uh, I'm just like, man, like I, I couldn't do it. You know, I, I couldn't do it, but, but he, he's like, I don't care how many Pope and young animals I have in the book. I care about how many Pope and young records I have in the book. And I'm like, I said, you're a different kind of beast, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. He, he that guy is all about intensity too. Well, and, and that's, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of time devoted to, yeah. to a, a specific thing, you know, aside from even yeah, the days yeah. in the field, there's planning and preparing and, you're spending a lot of money to do a lot of these hunts and stuff. Those guys are, uh, they're, they're working hard for it for sure. Yeah. It, you know, we've, we've been for a lot of years tailored towards that guy to the guy who has the time and, and the resources to go all over the world and all over the country to chase stuff. And so recently we've actually tried to open it up. We've adjusted our membership, um, 
you know, the way you become a, a regular member, um, the number of trophies you have to take, the number of book animals you have to have. So we've adjusted that to help accommodate some of the guys who, you know, is maybe not going to Alaska twice a year. And, uh, you know, the guy who, who he loves bow hunting, he's all about it. And, and, you know, maybe whitetails are his thing. So we've tried to be more, you know, incorporating of, of everyone, you know, because we are, when, when it comes to, you know, I, items that come up from a legislative perspective, we're the bow hunting organization that's out there fighting for everybody, but not everybody knows that. And so, when we had to change it because me and Jason always shoot fork and horn, so we That's were right. excluded from the group. You have to make it so you fit in. No, I totally. And you know, we guys like us appreciate that. You know. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom got me a shirt, boys. You'll get a kick out of this for Christmas, and it has a spike on it that says "Spoon and Crockpot Club." Yeah, I like and, that uh, spoon and crockpot. And she said, "Your," she said, "Your employer, your employer might not like this too much." I said, "They'll love it," so yeah. especially my boss, Jason. Bring it on. <laughs> it's it, you know and and i've been around some of them i've got you know friends that 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 kill the big ones but you know they have the time and and the energy and and some of it's you know i had a, an antelope hunt this year in idaho and my goal was to go out there was an opportunity to to get a pope and young buck it was just happened to be a third season tag so they've been hunted for like two months and and so I, about three days in, I realized that, okay, if I want to do this with a bow, it's going to take me two weeks. And I, I just didn't have it. So it's, um, you know, eventually it just comes down to a decision and, and I respect the people that, that do, and it's, it's neat. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stories from some of our, you know, board members and, and, uh, one of the ones is our, one of our board members at the, uh, Western hunt expo last year, won a bighorn hunt on their raffle. So this is a dream. I mean, this is a lifelong dream for most people. And, uh, he wins it and he talks to the outfitter and the guy's like, he says, Hey, I'm a, I'm a, on the board of Pope and young. He says, this is the last sheep I need for my slam. I've just got a new bow set up. And he's talking to the guy and the guy's like, well, we don't take bow hunters. And he, he says, Oh, well in that case here, you can just auction it off. Let somebody else go. Wow. And I mean, I'm like, if he'd have told me that I said, Hey, pick a caliber. You tell me and I've yeah. got it. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. So, but I don't uh, discriminate it's, you know, but at the same time, it's a different level. You know, when, when you hear somebody and say, Oh, well, I've, I've got my sheep slam. You're like, wow, you're either really lucky or, or, or have a few bucks. And then when you hear about a guy, he says, well, I've got my sheep slam with a bow, then you better be lucky, have a few bucks and be able to run up that mountain. That's right. You know, 10, 10 or 12 times to get hopefully one shot. It's, it's a different level, you know, cause in, you own a rifle, it's all over at a hundred yards and, and the hundred yards, you, there's times you're not even in the game with the bow. Yeah. So, well, I, I think I can extend my range this year. I got a new strategy. It's you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this, aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind and it's a, uh, it's a new <laughs> aiming technique that I'm working on. Is it? Uh, okay. See now, when I started shooting a bow, they didn't have laser range finders, so that was that was the concept. Is you're like, ah, that's about fifty five, and and yeah. you know, up you go, <laughs> and eighty pound, you know, golden eagle recurve compound, and and uh, man, that thing shot arrows like like an arch. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy. So we've talked a lot about it. Uh, let's, but I want to rewind back. Like, so for everybody that's listening, these guys, Pope and Young, you guys describe what Pope and Young is, how, how you guys started and what your kind of your mission is. 
You bet. Um, we actually started, and and I didn't even know this until I came on. And shame on me. You know, I'm I'm from the West Coast out in Oregon, and I had just always assumed that. Well, gee, we've always had a bow season ever since I've been alive. They've had one. Well, Pope and Young was actually part of the reason they were founded was we didn't have bow seasons 60 years ago. So they had to prove to these state wildlife agencies that a bow and arrow was a legitimate means for cleanly taking big game animals. And so that was part of the reason this record book was established so that they could say, hey, here's all of these mature animals that have been taken with a bow and arrow. We need to have a bow season. And so that's kind of how they came about, you know, and it, it, it started with, with Ishii in California, who was, you know, the last wild Indian. And he, he taught these guys how to make bows and how to shoot them. And, and this entire, um, it, you know, the history is just so in depth, but it's, that's basically why we were started is to help promote bow seasons in the U S and, uh, you know, now we're, you know, our goal is to be the, the voice of today's bow hunter. And so we jump in on, on items every, every week, something comes across our desk that, that is affects bow hunters in some way. And it's so nice to be able to have that singleness of purpose where it's like, okay, is this good for bow hunters? Yes. Okay. Then we're for it. Is it not good for bow hunters? No, then we're not for it. It's, it's very, it's very nice to, to have such a singular purpose that way. I think you're more effective that way too. When you have a, a very specific, narrow focus, like you said, there's a simple litmus test. Is it good for bow hunting or not? That's, that's a great way to look, look at it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if you, I mean, if you think about, you think about some, some organizations that are so broad and they include so many different things. I mean, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and, and Ducks Unlimited and, and, QDMA, you know, with bow hunting, we can step in and, and support all of those groups because they all include yeah. bow hunting. Um, and so that's that's the beautiful thing about being bow hunting specific is is we get to come on board and say, hey, you know, we like to bow hunt elk, so let's help out Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. We like to bow hunt deer, so yeah. let's help out QDMA. Um, and, you know, much like Jason, and, and I don't know, with, with my generation, I feel like Pope and Young has always been viewed as just a record book. And if you ask my dad's generation, they're like, oh, yeah, well, they make bow hunting possible. Uh, but for us, it's more of just like, I want to kill a PNY animal. I want to kill a Pope and Young animal. I want to get one in the books. Yeah. And, uh, and just like Jason, you know, and, and probably shame on me for not doing my research, but it wasn't until coming on board with Pope and Young where I was like, holy cow, we're more than just a record book, you know? Um, they really are the ones that fight for my rights to bow hunt. And so, um, and, and, you know, we're, we're really in that, that planning phase of how can we teach people that we are more than a, a record book? How can we show people that we are more than a record book? Uh, because it is a, it's a common misconception, but, uh, but like Jason said, stuff comes across our desk constantly, uh, to where we want to fight for the rights of bow hunters and, and continue to create those new opportunities. And so, um, you know, we are, we are much more than a record book, but the record book does still stand to continue to create new opportunities for bow hunters. Yeah. So you guys, how many record categories are there? Well, there's, there's 29, but we just added velvet categories. So for years, you know, you could shoot a velvet, you know, say a mule deer, you could shoot one and you had two options. You either had to strip the velvet off, which 
you know, if you get a nice velvet buck, you just, you don't want to do. So you can either strip it off and enter it as a hard horn, or you could measure it, but it would be in, you know, what was quote unquote, just a velvet entry. And so recently the board decided that, that we needed to have categories specifically for the velvet and recognize world record, you know, velvet world records. So um, I think, I believe that's another 13 species have velvet entries. Interesting. Okay. How, how often, how often are these, uh, these records broken? Like how long does a record stand? You know, some of them are year. I mean, uh, we had the, what was it? The Mel Johnson buck at ATA a couple years ago. And that one's been around, um, gosh, I, th- I think since 68 or in the sixties. So that one's been, you know, and, and that's a whitetail, which they're hunted every day. And then we have other ones. Uh, you know, last year we had four world records broken. We had a brown bear, we had a mountain goat, we had a non-typical mule deer, non-typical whitetail. This year we've had, um, now we've had a black bear. I mean, it's, um, you know, we're getting a couple a year that are getting- And the mountain goat, the mountain goat had what? Three, three entries that were, we had to convene special panel for that were so close to breaking it? Yeah, we had two that came in um, and they were actually both measured by the same measurer um, shot in the same general location and they both came in um, and it was it was interesting because they didn't like you know you don't see a lot of you think of a mountain goat and you don't think oh well, the horns could be radically different but I saw them both and it was it was really interesting one was kind of long and narrow the other one was really you know not as long but but really thick so it was it was pretty interesting just the differences even in those and we do, when we have a potential world record, um, you know, we can be convene a special panel. We bring measures in, you know, one of them comes from Boone and Crockett and we have the, you know, the best of the best measure these to verify what was sent in. And man, it's a process. I, I got to be involved with the, uh, with the whitetail with Luke Brewster's buck. And that one, the detail that these guys take measuring those trophies it's amazing i mean i i don't have the kind of patience to do that it's they are literally and it's down to the you know every little finite detail it's it's pretty amazing it's a special process it makes sense you have to have it that way you know if it's it's such such an official thing you got to be and there's a certain person that is designed to do that and yeah like you said it's not definitely not me and it um, ain't me. No, yeah. <laughs> right. But okay, so say that I go out. I'm on the back three. Uh, for you guys, maybe who don't know, I live on three acres, and occasionally I'll go hunt the back three. Uh, nice. And say I go out and I shoot, you know, what I believe to be the um, new Pope and Young record buck. Um, what is what does that process look like? Do I just call you up and just say, "Hey, man, you know, I think I just shot a, you know, the record buck." W- w- how does the process go? Well, usually we find out about it because if you shoot at something that big, the word gets out. It always gets out. And uh, your people, you've got agents that are feeding you got people this on the ground. Yeah. There's people. Yeah, it's actually. I got a call earlier uh, in the year from a, a buddy of mine in up in Alberta, and it's a good friend of mine. He says, "Hey, man, I'm I'm texting you a picture. It's a new world record elk." And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And this this is not a hunter. This is a farmer. Great guy, um, but you know, not exactly the the. Uh, the world's foremost 
you know, mined on a new world record. And so I'm like, okay. And then he sends me this picture. And I'm like, wow, that's a big bull. And then about two weeks later, we started hearing rumblings about this new world. Record. And sure enough, it's, it's come in. And right now with this COVID stuff, um, we, we want to convene a special panel, but we can't get anybody to Canada to do it. So this, you know, the trophy owners being really gracious and trying to work with us. He's like, Hey, I'll, as soon as the border opens, I'll drive it down across the border meet me there. We can, so it's, um, it's, there's some new challenges, but it's, it's so, it's so neat to be, uh, to be part of that. Just yeah. To, that's awesome. To man. experience it. Well, I can imagine COVID you can't get into Canada. That's a huge pain. We've been trying to get into Canada for a while and it's, I'm ready for them to open yeah. back up. Oh Yeah. I, I just, that's my big thing every year is, is Alberta. And, and I missed it last spring and I told everybody, I said, Hey, I'll be there in October. And then it was still shut down in October. And I hope it's open this year. I hope you know? it, I hope at least by fall. Um, I yeah. know a lot of the outfitters are getting hammered pretty hard, uh, by just missing out on a lot of people coming and hunt, hunting with them. Yeah. I just, I was just saying, I, I know I've heard from several outfitters that, they can't book any hunts for 2021 because they have to fulfill all their hunts for 2020. Yep. So there's, there's no new hunters coming in. It's all, I mean, they can't, they can't just say, Oh, sorry, you don't get to hunt. So now they have to bring all their 2020 hunters into 2021 and they miss a year. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and, and it, it not only affects the fall, but you know, some of our, the outfitters that we work with, you know, they have a really big spring bear season up there. And they lost that completely, and then they lost most of their – and it was all at the last minute. I mean, people had flights booked. People were literally on their way, and then everything shut down. And then, uh, you know, and then they come into the fall, so they're like, okay, we'll hopefully live through the spring, make it up in the fall, and then the fall went went sideways on them. So there's some guys hurting up there. Yeah. You know, it just it's funny all the ways that it, it affects uh... – affects everybody in, in a lot of different ways you just you don't yeah. even think about it um so even i'm getting a, a hide tanned right now and it's months delayed to get oh my yeah hide back from a tanner um which i'm just anxious to get it uh but yeah you your know, bear I, yeah the bear yeah yeah did you get yours tanned you brought it in i brought was that yours too <laughs> yeah. oh you got months by the way you're I not know. gonna see it for a while I know. <laughs> that's the same same exact thing happened to me i took a couple of uh i took a kudu and then and a Gims walk in, you know, over a year ago. And, you know, the tax service calls me, he says, Hey man, he says, your stuff is in with my wife's big black tail. He says, we want it back as soon as we can get it. But the tannery's literally shut down. And so it's, it's having repercussions all across the world. And, and, you know, trade shows right now, they're, they're a non-existent. They're non-existent you know, every, or virtual, which yeah. is yeah, not the same. Not the same. And, and, and kudos to, you know, like sheep and everybody for, for jumping in and doing the virtual shows. I got to experience some of that and, and it's great to be part of, but like you say, it's not quite the same as, as being there in person. So, you know, Jason and this Mike, this, this, this gives us a good opportunity to tell them about our convention. Uh, we recently had to uh, reschedule our convention to July 14th through the 17th. And that was one of the big reasons we hope to push it back far enough to where it can be an in-person show. Uh, because you're right. It's not the same whatsoever. Um, I mean, I was attending ATA from a, from a blind in South Texas while I was hunting. And I'm like, this ain't, this ain't it. You know, this ain't looking at booths and just looking. That at sounds booths. like it. I mean, if, if there's a second <laughs> I mean, best, that's pretty yeah. sweet, dude. 
South Jason Texas. Little bitter. <laughs> I'm still bitter. <laughs> Must be nice, yeah. you know. I was bragging, Cam. <laughs> we were uh, we were yeah. actually there was there was like a check-in station because uh, we were we were only like two and a half miles from the border, and there was a check-in station, and we come through it, and uh, we've got like five bows, three guns. Um, Tannerite, don't ask why, but uh, we've got trailers full of of knives and I mean just everything. And we pull up to this check station and they said, "Are you all U.S. citizens?" And uh, my buddy who was driving couldn't understand him. He says, "No," and I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and he said, "Excuse me," and I said, "They ask if you're a citizen." And he's like, "Oh yes," <laughs> and so they let us through thankfully. But I'm like, "Good lord, we're about to get checked for all we're worth." Oh man, you'll be there for a while. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, that's not a fast process, especially when they got to unload a trailer and pull out you know everything we've got. And I'm like, "Oh man," but they let us through, so. See, we had that similar experience, only we weren't hauling a trailer full of knives and tannerite, but we had gone to Canada just because we were 19 and we wanted to go over there and drink for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, we decided not to bring passports on the way over. And so on the re-entry back to the States, they almost like had to detain us and had to wait for passports to get there. But I didn't go with you. I know. That was... My my parents wouldn't let me. (laughs) It's... You know, it is Canada has changed. That border has changed so much. The first time I went up, I was with two two buddies, and I mean, we were probably you know early twenties, twenty one, twenty two, and we we had a trailer full of decoys, and and we're headed up. Just we don't know where we're going. We're just going hunting in Canada. You know, going going to where it starts. And so we pull up to the border, and the guys like, okay, where are you guys from? And we're like, oh, Oregon. Okay, well, you got any guns? Yeah, you haven't how many five or seven i think we had seven for three of us he says do you have any you have any handguns no you have any tobacco no alcohol no you have any handguns no have a good time no i didn't check an id didn't check anything you know now it's it's they still make it pretty easy on us but you have to go in and either have your pal or or fill out the form but uh it's definitely changed. Let's drop your drawers and let's uh, make sure you're good to go into Canada here. Yeah, put on the glove. Yeah, I've had them go through my trailer before. So. Have you? Yeah, I actually yeah. have too. I went in to get a couch my wife ordered, and I went in with an empty flatbed truck. And they were like, I know that they're looking at this like this guy clearly is smuggling something, you know. <laughs> so on the way in and the way yeah. back, they gave me a, a hard time, but I get right through. I think it's time for a break. Yeah, we we were getting long-winded. Yep. It's time for a break. We're going to thank a couple of our uh, couple more sponsors. Who doesn't love smoked meat? Jared? Communists. That's <laughs> who doesn't like smoked meat. If you're not a communist, check out Gorilla Grills. So whenever you go out to the field and you procure your own game, mm-hmm. you can bring it back and press your wife, your husband, your kids, your, your friends. Fran, friends, your family, anybody with your smoked meat. Check out GorillaGrills.com for all your smoking needs. Everybody knows that arrows are the lifeblood of the hunting industry. If you're a bow hunter, your worth is measured in the amount and the quality of arrows that you have. If you have good arrows, and a lot of them, you are arrow rich. And everybody wants to be arrow rich. Everyone wants to be arrow rich. And one way of doing that, using vector arrows. Why? They are the best. They are tough. You can go to their website, enter all your bow specs in. And they'll spit out the exact arrows that you need. Check them out, VectorCustomShop.com. And be arrow rich. If you're looking for quality, handmade, traditional archery equipment, look no further than Bivouac Bow Co. 
Jim and Georgia. Actually, we had them on the podcast, episode 93. Check it out. Handmake bows. They have years of experience. Their machining is precise, and their products are beautiful. Check them out at bivouacboco.com. And finally, I want to introduce a new sponsor of the show. Wild Pursuit Wellness makes premium CBD products. It's all natural, broad spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It only has two ingredients, CBD and MCT coconut oil. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We we use it a lot after long hikes or, or sits out in the woods. It's grown and extracted right in the Rocky Mountains, and it's shipped directly to you anywhere in the United States. It's great CBD at an extremely low price, and it can be even lower if you use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. We were talking about the process to get some, you know, somebody uh, entered in. Uh, do you get a lot of, like, cheaters? Do you get people like paper mache yeah. extra antlers on or anything Super glue. like that? No, we really don't because you have to be in a – for us to accept – so so kind of taking a step back, You if you go out and shoot, let's say, a big buck, um, there's a process. There's a drying period. Once it dries for a certain number of days, then you have to get a, a, a certified Pope and Young measure – to actually do it. And those guys take it very seriously. And so, um, you know, you have to, to sign the form, you have to sign a fair chase affidavit saying that, Hey, it was taken completely legally with, with full fair chase guidelines in place. And you have to sign that and, uh, and send that all in. And then we kind of, we have a team there in the office that, that goes through double checks, everything. I mean, they go so far as to look at, photos of each side you know front back top bottom left right and so if if there was anything hinky i'll tell you they'd catch it they catch it pretty quick so you can't yeah. make paper mache you know more uh, i've got a buck in my office that I should probably get scored out yeah you probably should you, you do really you should. actually yeah. do have one yep the, and, the illinois one and if i'm not mistaken you can go on your guys's website and you can look up local scores yeah okay yep. yes we have a list of all the certified measures right on our website awesome. you should get it scored man i really That'd be should cool. that's a good uh, what's the what's yeah. the base for whitetail uh, yeah whitetail yeah. 125 typical. i think i think yeah, mine that... might even get my uh oh boy i think it might 125 i'm gonna uh, dylan i'm gonna be now. messaging you later and mm-hmm. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what with, with this new system we've got this new record search where where you can actually get it on your phone and you can pull up trophies. So I had a guy on an airplane one time, and he was telling me about his buddy who's got, you know, I don't know, 150 Pope and Young Elk or whatever. And I was like, oh, really? What's the guy's name? So he told me, and I and I literally pulled it up on my phone sitting in an airplane. I said, well, he's definitely got two, but that's the only <laughs> ones I'm – and so it's kind of nice because all of this – you know, you know, we all get that. Hey, you want you want to see my two hundred inch buck? And you look at it, and you're like, man, one fifty is a great buck. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Those apps remove all the barroom like you know banter, the lying. Like now, you, you know, I'm not going to be like, hey, Jared, I just oh, shot a two hundred. You know. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. The first thing I say is, oh, you got a two hundred inch buck? Do, do you have a copy of the score sheet? Right, right. Because. <laughs> Because when I see one of my measures, signatures on a 200-inch score sheet, it's a 200-inch buck. Up until that time, it's Billy Bob saying I got 200, and it's like, yeah. That's so. a buck story. Yeah. I shot a 200-inch buck, you know. Yeah. yeah. Based on you, my scoring. Then you woke up. 
Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. No, I'll say this too. Most of our most of our members are so incredibly traditional and passionate about um the hunt that they wouldn't lie, you know? Yeah. They might yeah. be wrong occasionally, but it's not just a, a bold faced lie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We don't I you know, since I've been here, I haven't seen anyone where where they were just, you know, outright trying to cheat to get to move up in the book or something. I haven't seen that at all. You know, we've seen a few, oh, here's a math error or here's a, you know, uh, they didn't do this formula right or something, but, but I haven't, haven't run across any just, just out to cheat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to get our buck scored now. Yeah. We should do that. We Find really somebody local. And I mean, I don't think mine's even the one I have in my, uh, you never know, man, is, is 120. And maybe it is right around there. It's going to be on the low end, but I'll take it. I had mine rough scored, uh, like it's green score, but I don't think I've had it. It's dry. Is that the technical term, the dry score? Yeah, it's it's um, green scores. A lot of times guys will get a green score when they first get it just to give them an idea of where it is. And then later you come in and get, get the official score. Jason, do you know do you know on average how much a whitetail will shrink? Or is it? No. Eli or Roy would know. I You know, I yeah. don't. But they, there's formulas for all that. They they have some pretty good research to where they know how much a you know a pronghorn antelope is going to shrink. They know how much a bighorn. So you guys have a lot of data points to, to we do. You know that's actually that's pretty sweet. Um, well, what's the uh, hardest? What's statistically the hardest? Speaking of data points, uh, species to 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 get into with you know. You know the the one that we get the fewest entries every year is a non-typical Columbia blacktail. Oh, okay. We get, you know, we get more polar bears than we do non-typical Columbia blacktails. Yeah. Why is that? So, I, you know, I, I think there's just not, I mean, there's places I, I'm in blacktail country. I live in Western Oregon. I had a couple deer run through my yard this morning, but, um, you know, there's places where I've hunted for, for years and years have never seen a non-typical. And then there's other places, you know, you go more Southern Oregon and they're a little more prevalent, but they're just not as, as common as, as what you see in mule deer and whitetails. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, just to update everybody, I did look up the actual loss of antler uh, and they're saying anywhere from one to two inches of loss during the dry. Okay. So yeah. depends if they were in the pool. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. or if it was raining out or, yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Um, so when you guys, and I, I'm sure you guys get this question a lot, there, there seems to be a public aversion for using the term trophy when you're, for, for, when you're hunting, like for some reason at all. Um, when, when people bring that up to you, w w what's your response? How do you handle something like that? You know, everybody's ab about that. And, and I'll go, I'll even use the kind of the, the example I used earlier where we had that Mel Johnson buck literally in the aisle at, a at ATA. And it was funny because guys would come up and say, oh, you know, that's a decent buck. And uh, and then you start talking to them about different things. Oh, yeah, I, sh I shoot some about that size. Oh, really? You ever get them scored? No, no, I, I don't care about score. What what that one score? And they all ask, they, you can't keep you know. asking, yeah. you want to know. And so, you know, I, I think the term trophy has gotten a little bit of a bad rap and I, and I don't know why, because if you look at, 
you know, the, the number of world records that are getting broken, you know, when you're shooting one or two or three or four new world records a year, that is an absolute feather in the cap for the North American model of wildlife conservation. It is like, yeah, that's amazing. Unheard of it's working. And, you know, hunters are paying for that and it's not a bad thing to go out. And, and if you want to be a trophy hunter, be a trophy hunter. If you want to have fun shooting a fork and horn, then that's what you should do. The main thing is that you get out and enjoy the outdoors, enjoy the sport. And it's, um, you know, I know a, a good buddy of mine, who shot some tremendous animals with, he's actually the guy that introduced me to Pope and young 30 years ago. And he shot some tremendous trophies, several different species in the book. And he and I were out, you know, not oh, a couple of years ago. And, and he shot a fork and horn. He says, you know what? He said, that was a lot of fun. And it was just, it was one of those things. It, you don't have to be either, or you can be both. Just, just be a hunter. I would say, I would say people who say they're not a trophy hunter uh, say it because they never kill big deer, uh, which is m- my case. I would agree. But uh, no, I, I, you know, because nobody is going to let a 170 whitetail pass and say, ah, "I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm looking for a spike." Yeah, I mean, that's right. that's outrageous to think. So, I listen. I I have no problem shooting small deer, but if a big deer presents itself, I'm not going to say. Oh, you know, actually, I'm I'm not a trophy hunter, so I'm not going to shoot the trophy. Um, so, like Jason said, I I think that that we try to put this stipulation on it as you have to be one or the other. Well, that's false. You know, that's absolutely yeah. false. Now, if I'm hunting, if I'm hunting my property in Kansas, which I maintain, which I I try to manage the deer well, you're right. I'm not going to shoot a spike. But if I'm hunting with my dad in Arkansas and a spike walks out, I'm absolutely going to shoot it. Um, so so. I think it's just, I, I, but I think we've, we've created that mindset of, oh, you're a trophy hunter or, oh, you're a meat hunter. Why can't I be both? You know, why can't I just hunt and, and you just hunt? And I mean, if a deer walks, if a deer walks in and gets me fired up, I'm shooting it. That's, that's, that's the, the whole story. Well, and it's, and it's tough because it puts everybody in a bad spot, you know, um, you know, this year I, I had a few days to hunt elk. And so buddy of mine says, Hey, come on up. I got, I've got a spot for you. So I went up, jumped in a ground blind. And on day three, I shot a, a small five point that most years I'd have been absolutely thrilled with. And then like two minutes later out walks this really nice Pope and young six by six. And I'm like, Oh, that's the one I wanted. And it just, it puts that in the back of your mind. It's kind of like, Oh, you know, uh, how many years would I have been just thrilled to get a shot at a bull like that? And then, you know, now is it the, uh, it's not the trophy. It doesn't make the book. So um, it's a mental, it's a mental thing. And, and I don't take anything away from the guys who, who passed, you know, the five points to go get the monster. I mean, I, there's guys who, that pass big, say there's guys that pass six points that are as big as the, some of the bulls I've even seen in my life because they're looking for that next level. And I give them kudos and a lot of respect. But I think if you talk to those guys, even though that's how they want to do it, they still are good with and still respect the guy that wants to go out there and, and, and shoot a spike, you know, Hey, he's got two weekends this year. He gets to hunt. And if he wants to go shoot a spike bull, then, then, Hey, that's more power to him. And I think. Our, our past president, uh, Jim Willems this year told me, uh, we had had lunch one day and I had showed him pictures of, of, of my number one hit list buck. And, and I called him, I called him one night and said, Hey man, I just shot a buck. 
but it's not the big one. And uh, what I meant by that was it's not the one I showed you pictures of. Uh, just just a heads up. I'm going to send you pictures, and it's not the same deer. And uh, that's what I meant by it. But what he said was, and, and he said this to me, he said, uh, if you shot, it's the big one. And I was just like, I'm like, that's that's what it should be all about, man. I shouldn't have to justify to anybody what I shot or why I shot it. Yeah. Um, it walked out. It got my blood pumping, so I shot it. And that's all that matters. And so I, um, that's forever going to be a, a quote that I hold on to. If you shot, it's the big one. Yeah, and that's coming from a guy who would pass a 180 buck for the 190. Yes. Yeah, and he's done it. Yeah. So you know, I and the thing is, we, the I think sometimes we get so over analytical. We like we overthink some some pretty simple things. It's like you're going hunting. Obviously, like who who would actually say that they're not? You know, if choice between a big and a small deer, they're not going to take the big deer. Whether you're a meat hunter or you're a trophy hunter, but at the end of the day, it's like sometimes you only get a shot at the little one, you know? So yeah, yeah. like you're still out there to hunt. And it again, whether you go, I, I think it's all a trophy. If you think about it, I, I am so excited when I get a deer big or small, it's a trophy in different ways. You get to eat it. You get to tell stories about it. Um, the antlers are always just like an awesome bonus that just, you can look at, like, I'm looking at your, your, you got two muleys and whatever that African animal is in the middle. <laughs> kudu. 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 Yeah. yeah I thought, I thought so, but I don't know enough. So I was like, if I say do kudu and I'm totally wrong, they're going to look at me like, no, I, I, yeah. So, but what I'm saying is you look at those and I mean, they're just, they're beautiful animals, but also you can point to that and be like that, you know, I can tell you a story about that deer. This is what was happening here. And I think that is almost more important than any any of the other stuff. I can promise you Jason still ate those even though they were big. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, there's only been one time, because you said that, you know, you're always going to take the big one. I actually was several years ago, it was the last day of a bow, bow hunt for elk. And I, I had two cows right in front of my blind. And I'm like, you know what? It's the last day. I love eating elk. And so I drew back and I settled in on the big one, the bigger cow. And I'm like, okay, I was just settling and getting ready to go. And I'm like, wait, you know what? That other one's probably tender, more tender. And so I literally <laughs> switched to the one that was a little, you know, more of a yearling cow. And uh, and it was delicious. Was she? So, was it more tender? I don't know because I never got to try the <laughs> other one. I only got you to need, shoot you one. You need a double you know? shooter at that point. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, that's my dad. That's the hardest thing for me about bow hunting is it's like, you know, as a as a long time bird hunter, man, you can have an epic you know, once in a lifetime day. And then the next day you get to go do it again with bow hunting. I have a once in a lifetime day. I have to wait till next year to do it again. It's exactly. really hard for me. My dad always tells me a story of a, of a guy and he was an old timer, you know, and, and, uh, down at his deer camp and he said, they'd be sitting in the blind and there'd be, you know, five or six deer out in the field and, uh, he'd go to shoot and, and shoot. My dad say, Oh man, you miss man. What happened? And he'd say, I didn't miss. And my dad would look out, and sure enough, the, the little yearling would be laying on the ground and after out of all the seven, but he wanted the little <laughs> tender, little tender one. But uh so he always picked the small one. But you know, my dad also always said you can't eat the horns, but you can certainly use them to stir your stew. So <laughs> Ah, I like that. You know what works best for that? Uh, spikes. A spike yes, is a yeah, great yes. mixer. You don't want too many antlers, you can't fit it in the pot. Or a fork, you know, right. you gotta stab yeah. those muleys behind you, they would be terrible pot mixers. You know, you might have to let yeah. those pass. Absolutely. No, it just reminds me of the the uh, was it Dan Fitzgerald? Would he say that must be a Boone and Crockett Boone and spike? Boone and Crockett spike is what he's saying. Yeah. It's a spike. It's a it's a white tail with like 
And I remember thinking, like, I know that's not how it works, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if they have a category for that. No, no, probably not. So you guys um, have been doing a, a podcast. You guys have been, you know, doing a lot of outreach stuff. Um, what are your plans for this year? Well, like, we got a new administration in. We've got, you know, a lot of things going on. Um, what are your big initiatives? What are the, bi- the big things you guys are pushing? You know, right now, um, our big thing, we just decided this past week to move our convention into July. So that's one of our priorities. Um, you know, we, we owe that to our trophy owners and, and to the folks out there, our outfitter partners and our corporate partners who, who want to have that event. So that's kind of a big priority. Um, other than that, we're just, we're going to keep an eye out for, for, um, for, especially the key pieces of legislation coming across that affect bow hunting. Um, you know, we can all have our own personal convictions and, and vote for whoever we want to, cause this is America, but we have to be able to work with the folks, you know, on both sides of the aisle because we need votes from both of them to get things passed that are important to us. And so that's, that's what we're looking at is no matter who's in there, we're going to work with them. We're going to do the very best job that we can to, uh, you know, to promote and protect bow hunting, give more opportunities to the bow hunters out there. Yeah. I, I really like what you said where, you know, it doesn't really matter your political party. It At the end of the day, we're all hunters and we all need to kind of unite under that banner to, to preserve what we love all the time. And it's, I yes. think that's really awesome. And it's, and, and, you know, that's the tactic of the antis is they don't affect, they're not trying to come in and shut off all hunting at one time. They're doing part of it. They're going to, they're going to start with bear hunting and then they're going to come over and they're, and then they're going to attack bow hunting or duck hunting or, or one thing or the other. And they're just going to single us off and they're going to pick us off. And we, as hunters, we need to stick together because, you know, same thing for, for those out there that maybe don't hunt, but you enjoy the outdoors. You like to fish, you, you like to hike. We need to stand together because those wild, that Pittman Robertson money is what's supporting a lot of this, you know, outdoor conservation. You like to hike. Well, that's great. You know, you like nice trails, you know, you like yeah, things maintained. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank thank the hunters that paid for that. And, you know, we need to, we do, we've got to stick together as outdoors people to make sure that we have a place to hunt and to, and to make sure we can. So, yeah. And that's, that's kind of where that kind of, it goes back to how we can support elk hunting. We can support deer hunting. We can support, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care if you're a trad shooter. I don't care if you're a compound shooter. Um, I don't care if you're an elk hunter, a, a deer hunter, a, a squirrel hunter, we're all hunters. We're all bow hunters. And, uh, and when we unite and when we stand and, and we fight for one another, you know, I'm not, I'm not a sheep hunter, but if I fight for sheep hunters, then when it's my turn to be on the chopping block, the sheep hunters will fight for me. Um, so, so if we'll all work together and have that mentality of, you know what, I might not hunt in California, but if I stand up and fight for California bow hunting rights, then when it's my turn, then when Kansas is on the chopping block, California can stand up and fight for me too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. We we've seen, I mean, it, it makes total sense if you're, you know, you're against hunting, you know, how, what's the best way to beat it. You start frac- fractioning yeah. the, you know, creating these little fractions and pulling them off. You know, bear hunting was you, you mentioned, um, and we've seen a lot of, we, we did a bear hunt and we had a lot of people write Push, in about a lot that. of pushback, uh, just about bear hunting. These guys were hounds hunters that we, that we went with mm-hmm. houndsmen. Um, 
and just the 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 you can see the fractions that are starting to um, yeah. to to occur and it's mm-hmm. it's unsettling a little bit at least it was for us and it's you know they they did away they came in and did away with hound hunting here in Oregon years ago for bears and cougars and you know what people don't understand is that those dogs, that's all they want to do. It's like duck dogs. All my dog ever wants to do is go get ducks. He doesn't care when, where, how cold it is. And same thing with those bear dogs there. They just, they long for that. If they're not hunting, they wish they were hunting. And what I saw here when it went away is the traditions and the, I mean, there were dogs that could be traced back farther than most people. I know the generational, like, like, 20 30 generations of hey i know who his great 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 to the nth degree grandfather is and it's like you know that and then that's just gone and it's really sad because it's a lifestyle of people that that that's what they want to do they're not bothering anybody no you know and um, and they're contributing a lot of hunter dollars and they're helping with you know manage yeah. the, the wild resources that we have they're doing all the things that we've all decided were good except they use dogs rather than bait piles yeah. right and that's that's this weird line and, and so it, you can see how these little cracks can form yeah and can cause a like you said it down the line that i mean uh the slippery slope uh that that's you can see where that could go well yeah i mean california um not only can you not shoot a mountain lion in California. If you shoot one legally in Idaho, you can't even bring it home. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's uh, in fact, one of the, uh, Cal fishing game guys gotten some serious hot water several years ago because he had been somewhere and he didn't even bring it back. He just shot one legally in another state, hundred percent legal. Everything was above board and, and, and everybody was all over him because you're not, you know, he couldn't do it. in California. And that's just not acceptable. You know, um, you know, I, I just don't know. That's a part of me. You know, I was born in August and September. I was in deer camp. That's just how I grew up. I can't imagine not hunting. And the difference is, you know, okay. I, I may not be a golfer, but I don't want to shut down everybody else's ability to golf. I don't, you know, and that's, it's really hard. I think for a lot of us to understand, because it's so personal to us and it is so who we are. And then, you know, these antis come in and they literally want to shut down your very existence, your heritage, your, your traditions. And and it's hard to accept. It is. And and it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, it it seems very, it's just, you're not seeing the big picture, I guess. uh, When when you do things like that, the the hunting community, you know, adds so much to trail maintenance and uh you know everything else overshadowed fishing and, mm-hmm. and everything yeah. else work um it's it's an it's a it's a pretty neat system that's set up and it's working well and it's you know part of it's it's owed to, to groups like you who you know full-time are pushing for uh you know deer hunters in, in some sense or you know rocky mountain elk or you know in your case just archery hunting which is pretty cool and yeah. we're, we're big fans of of the archery hunting so we appreciate it <laughs> awesome well, yeah well we'll be looking for those two bucks to be entered yeah we'll we'll do it um i wanted to give you guys a chance to tell people where they can go to find out more listen to your podcast check out the uh the upcoming event that you moved and things like that so you work where can people go are you paused jason you want me to handle it no. well, <laughs> hey, man, you're, you're, i was like go 
You're you. the marketing director. Yeah. This is Chilling. all you, baby. <laughs> so I would say, I would say um, the best place to get information is um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, as well as our website. Um, also, if you become a member, uh, the, then you'll get our, our weekly e-blasts, uh, which give up-to-date information about uh, things like convention, things like a new world record, things like um, you know new press releases with new corporate partners and, and things of that sort. So uh, becoming a member really is probably the best way to stay in touch with everything we're doing because uh, we'll send you out the, the, the weekly messages as to what's going on with the club. Uh, but podcast is really good um, where we can send out and talk about information. And so, uh, yeah, I would say those 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 four things are, are, are the best way to get information on us. And our website is just www.pope-young.org. Yep. Awesome. Easy enough. Easy to find. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. And we've got a lot of good information on there, and, and uh, it's definitely worth, worth checking out. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Um, and everybody who's listened, check them out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting. Join us next week, and we'll see you then.